right now on Matter of Fact. Thank you for calling Black and Missing Foundation. Black and Missing in America. Thousands of cases go unnoticed and unsolved. These are missing mothers and fathers, and we need to do a better job in finding them and protecting them. Meet the women fighting to make sure every case matters. Plus, what would you do with double your income? Looking towards settling down, buying a house, doing the, the adult things, the American dream stuff. Job training that is making those dreams come true. And 100 years ago, a mob set a black neighborhood on fire. As their flames got closer to them, they hid out in a stump hole, she said. Find out about the law that made this history required learning. I'm Soledad O'Brien. Welcome to Matter of Fact. Nearly 100,000 women and girls go missing every year in this country, simply gone. Families and friends overwhelmed by loss. Within this tragedy is a glaring disparity. The cases of missing black people remain unsolved four times longer than those of white people. Why? Experts say it's a lack of attention slower police responses, and communities that fail to push for answers. The unsolved cases are the focus of a four-part HBO documentary series, Black and Missing, which debuts November 23rd on HBO and HBO Max. It's a topic that's very important to me, and I'm serving as the executive producer for the series. Take a look at this clip. My grandsons have had to go eight years without their mom, and it just rips me to shreds. <laughs> I have a fear that I may forget what my child's sound like. Mm -hmm. That scares me. You'll never forget that. Just imagine a family member going missing. Yeah. It's going to be all right. Two women have taken on this impossible work trying to solve the cold cases. Derricka and Natalie Wilson started the foundation Black and Missing in 2008. Derricka and Natalie, it's so nice to see you in person. Thank you for joining me. Why don't you start by explaining for the audience, why does this disparity exist? We believe that this disparity exists, one, from the media, and sometimes it's an unconscious bias. And they need to do a better job in covering our missing. From what we hear from families, their stories aren't sensational. Their stories don't matter. And what we're seeing with law enforcement, who really are the ones that alert the media about a missing person, is that the stereotype surrounding these cases, they may be impoverished, and there's so many economic issues affecting that missing person, but what we need to have the community to understand these are missing mothers and fathers. They are valuable members of our community, and we need to do a better job in finding them and protecting them. Is it as simple as missing black girls are just not viewed as, as attractive, as appealing to the audience as missing white girls? I will say that is true. And Recently, we were talking to a father whose son is missing out of Syracuse, and he said a reporter pulled him to the side and said, well, you know what, your son is not going to get us ratings. And this father was heartbroken. And most of the people missing are not young white women. Forty percent of the population of missing people are people of color. And these cases are not taken seriously. Media coverage isn't there. 
and we need to do something about this disparity. What is law enforcement not doing that, that they should be doing? First and foremost, these cases are really not taken seriously. When you look at, let's say, a missing child, and you hold up a flyer that says, runaway, and you hold up a flyer that says, missing, it doesn't send the same message. We need to get rid of the reporting structure of 24-hour waiting period, because we all know that 24 hours are the most critical moments when someone is missing. You know, we have families that come to our organization, and they have provided law enforcement with an appropriate photo, and they still choose to use a mugshot to put that flyer out there. So we have a tool that's readily available for families. When Once we vet their cases, they automatically get a flyer of their missing loved one that has law enforcement's contact number and our contact number, because too often these families are victimized. Walk me through uh, a success story. One of them is Kennedy High, um, autistic, very bright young lady, um, missing out of Baltimore. And her mother did all of the right things. She took her phone away from her, but Kennedy's a teenager. What did she do? She went to school and used a friend's phone, got on an app, met someone she thought was her age, and invited this person to her school. He picked her up, and she was trafficked in the D.C. area. Luckily, one of the Uber drivers saw her profile and contacted our organization. We contacted the FBI, and she was able to be rescued. Not all of our cases end in the loved one being reunited. Many of them don't have any hope, and they're holding on. They don't want to give up. And we come alongside them, and we're just holding their hands and helping them navigate through the process with law enforcement and the media. It was such an honor for me to have a chance to work with you guys. Thank you for using your platform, your voice, your influence to highlight our challenges and the challenges that these families are going through. Derricka and Natalie Wilson, I appreciate Thank it. You. Thank you. Coming up. You kind of have that pit in your stomach, like, how am I going to take care of my family? The innovative program that is providing new skills for new jobs. Plus, Florida students are now required to learn about one of the most brutal massacres in state history. Shots started to ring out and fires started to burn. And why one of the biggest cities in the world is choking on pollution. matter of fact. It's a brave new world out there when it comes to the economy and work. September, another record-breaking month with 4.4 million people leaving their jobs. The exodus has left employers struggling to both fill openings and find people with the right skills for jobs. That's where one innovative training program comes in, offering workers a chance to gain new skills to fill jobs in industries desperate for workers jobs that are often the key to keeping the supply chain running. Our correspondent, Jessica Gomez, has our story. Every day I don't know what I'm gonna get handed. It's like a big puzzle, you know, it's problem solving. Cam Judy, less than a month into a brand new job as a diesel technician in Columbus, Ohio. Over the past year, a lot has changed for the 28-year-old. You kind of have that pit in your stomach, like, how am I gonna take care of my family? Cam was living in West Virginia when the pandemic started. His wife lost her corporate job, and his job as a chiropractic assistant 
wasn't enough to pay the bills. I started looking at what can I do to have that advancement in something I enjoy doing. So we need to know our battery health. That's when he found American Diesel Training Centers in Columbus, offering a five-week training program with no upfront tuition costs and help with things like transportation and living expenses. I was like, this is too good to be true. But in an industry with tens of thousands of job openings, even before graduating from the program, Cam had multiple offers. He's now making nearly $42,000 a year at Kenworth Trucks, more than double what he was making just a few months ago. So it allows people to very quickly, with very little risk, to elevate their socioeconomic status, sometimes exponentially. Have you got interviews set up, offers? Tim Spurlock, CEO of the training program, says his biggest challenge is recruiting students. Most are low-wage earners who can't afford the $10,000 tuition or to take time off of their current jobs and many don't have the credit to get a loan. So over four years, that's a payment max of 13,000. But recently, they found a solution, partnering with Social Finance, a financial nonprofit headquartered in Boston. The American dream hasn't worked for everyone, but it used to work much better. The nonprofit, co-founded by Tracy Palangian, raises money from philanthropic foundations and uses it to help pay students tuition at training programs like American Diesel. This is how it works at American Diesel, for example. Graduates who don't get a job or make less than $30,000 a year are off the hook for the cost of their $10,000 tuition. Those making between 30 and 40,000 pay back about 70% of their tuition costs in capped monthly payments. Earners bringing in $40,000 or more pay it back in full, plus an additional $3,000. They get sick or lose their job, they don't pay. The investors are taking on a huge risk. They know that they might only get their principal back. And if it's a really tough economy, they might only get 80 cents on the dollar back. Social finance are raising enough to partner with a handful of IT training programs as well, and will soon branch out into sectors like healthcare and green energy in desperate need of a skilled workforce. We don't want to wear out that overriding clutch, remember? The engine powering the deal, Tim Spurlock says, accountability. We all have skin in the game. If, if we don't recruit quality people, give them good training, and put them out into industry working in successful jobs and making payments, um, social finance will find another program to invest in. For Cam Judy, his new career playing out even better than he expected. His wife and furniture on their way to Ohio. Looking towards settling down, buying a house, doing the, the adult things, the American dream stuff, you know? Um, so we're just excited about our future. In Columbus, Ohio, for matter of fact, I'm Jessica Gomez. Up next, for years it was a hidden story. Now it's required learning. And a city with more than 17 million people headed towards lockdown. We'll tell you why. Welcome back to Matter of Fact. Students in Florida can now learn about a brutal day in their state history. An election day massacre more than 100 years ago in a town near Orlando. The event was previously left out of high school history books, but a law signed by Florida's governor now makes the Ocoee massacre required learning.
The massacre came on the heels of the Red Summer of 1919, as it was called, when white mobs laid siege to black communities in places like Ellisville, Mississippi, Chicago, Knoxville, and Omaha. And just before the November 1920 presidential election, the Ku Klux Klan held marches in Orlando and Ocoee, warning black citizens about what could happen if they tried to cast their ballots. Our special correspondent, Joey Chen, has a story of what happened that day and the generational trauma it left behind. The truth of what happened on that dark night lay hidden in the marshy woods amid family stories and hushed secrets. Well, my name is Robert Lee Hickey. Uh, I am the grandson of John and Lucy Hickey, formerly of Okoye, Florida, prior to November 2nd, 1920 that infamous night of the um, Okoye massacre. Hickey recalls a mostly happy childhood. His mother had gone north for work, leaving him with his grandparents and a simpler life. Our evenings were spent sitting by the fireplace and um, listening to them talk back and forth and eating oranges. Amid the chatter, he heard bits about the family's former home just a few miles away. You know, Okoye was a thriving uh, black community in Central Florida, uh, very uh, prosperous. Your grandfather was an example of that. Yes, um, my granddad, um, he was a land dealer. He had a tremendous amount of land. You know, that's a threat for some people that, uh, you know. And Doing I, a little too well. Yes, and I think that's what happened. All they needed was some type of a spark, I guess, to set it off. It was a, a piece of dynamite, maybe, that had been lying there just waiting to be sparked, if you will. Pam Schwartz leads a museum that chronicled that explosion, touched off after a black businessman, Mose Norman, was turned away from the polls. Making good on Klan threats, a white lynch mob soon surrounded the home of July Perry, a black leader known for his support of voting rights. Shots started to ring out and fires started to burn and there was an altercation. And it wasn't just at July Perry's home. It began to spread throughout the community. We will probably never know exactly how many black individuals were murdered. We know at least four, but maybe potentially many more were murdered. An unknown number of structures was burned. Decades later, Hickey tried to record his grandmother's recollections. Lucy, and you see why H-I-C-K-E-Y. She could see people's homes going up. And, um, in flames. In flames. And so as their flames got closer to them, the, they fled into the swamps. The papers told of the two whites killed, barely noting the attacks on black landowners. After the massacre, black landowners were forced to sell for just pennies on the dollar. The museum tracked property deeds to show the black wealth along with every one of Ocoee's black residents, wiped out. It happens right at 1920. Yes. It happened. Uh, yeah, all at one time. And they disappear. Yes. In a hurry. Like I said, the American dream went up in smoke. Today, the land alone would be valued at over $10 million. Lawmakers have debated reparations, which descendants believe are long overdue. It is impossible to pay descendants of a whole community what they should be owed. It is not impossible to pay them something, 
Reparations may not come in this lifetime, but for families who lost so much, there is value in knowing the truth of what happened, that their ancestors built a community, thrived, and that their legacy survives. For Matter of Fact, I'm Joey Chen. When we come back, the cloud over New Delhi and the desperate measures the city is taking to protect its citizens and wind wall or work of art. To stay up to date with Matter of Fact, sign up for our newsletter at matteroffact.tv. It's a quality of life issue that's a moving target, air pollution. In this country, many of the most polluted cities are in California, with Bakersfield and Los Angeles leading the pack. The culprits, fossil fuels, car emissions, and wildfire smoke. But the level of pollution in Bakersfield is dwarfed by the air quality in a city almost 8,000 miles away. New Delhi is heading toward lockdown. Here are pictures of India's capital this week. A city of more than 17 million people, it's considered one of the most polluted in the world. Now, the country's Supreme Court has halted non-essential travel, ordered people to work from home, and put a stop to construction projects. Schools were already shuttered when the air quality index reached a level considered severe and hazardous to health. Too much exposure can lead to major respiratory problems. Crop burning, industrial and car emissions are all creating this toxic situation. And even winds that seem to disperse the pollution end up blowing the air into neighboring areas, posing additional health hazards. Coming up, highways, sidewalks, even buildings. These new wind turbine walls could soon be coming to your city. We've talked about wind turbines before, a great source of renewable energy, but they're not always the popular choice. For decades, communities have campaigned against wind farms, saying they deface the landscape. Well, now an engineer has designed a turbine that is pleasing to the eye, more artwork than machine. The wind turbine wall is made up of rotary blades that spin in the wind, creating electricity. And they're designed for use in urban areas. You can put them up around buildings or on sidewalks, or the panels can line highways where traffic creates wind gusts. That energy can be stored in a battery or fed back into the power grid. The turbine walls are still in the final engineering stages, but the designer says they far outperform any other type of clean energy system per square foot. It's kind of like a breath of fresh air. I'm Soledad O'Brien. That's it for this episode of Matter of Fact. I'll see you back here next week. If you missed our top stories about the efforts of two extraordinary women drawing attention to the unsolved cases of black and missing people, how an innovative training program is helping people get skills to get jobs, the hidden history of an Election Day massacre in Florida, and highways, sidewalks, even buildings, new wind turbine walls could soon be in your city. Just go to matteroffact.tv. And listen to Matter of Fact with Soledad O'Brien on your favorite podcast provider. Watch us during the week on FYI, Pluto, and YouTube.